This American Monster. A Monster of the Week actual play from This American Dice. Light chatter fills the room as the predominantly uniformed audience waits to hear the pitch for a product that they've been told will be a game changer. Their voices, mostly deep and usually severe, are punctuated occasionally by a more jocular tone. Few of the military, intelligence, and police officials present are new to these presentations. Always some company with a new design for body armor, extreme weather clothing, MREs, even antidiarrheal gum. The Lore Corporation banner above the rostrum is austere by the usual standards, as is the spread the company had prepared for officials as they waited. More unusual, however, than the lack of fancy catered hors d'oeuvres was the lack of some sizable object covered by a sheet just waiting to be dramatically unveiled. Instead, next to the speaker's podium, there was merely a clear plastic box about the size of a porta potty. As Jessica Lore climbs the few steps and stands beside the podium, she's flanked by a small man in a lab coat, who's almost the quintessential image of a scientist. Good morning, everyone, Jessica Lore says. And thank you for being here. As she greets the assembled officials, the man in the lab coat opens a laptop next to the clear box and, squinting at the screen like a cartoon character, begins feverishly typing and clicking. Behind Jessica Lore, an infographic displaying a human body is projected. I won't keep you waiting too long, she continues as the projected image behind her presents basic information about the state of a healthy human being, body temperature, pulse rate, blood pressure, etc. I'm sure my brief explanation will be more than enough to make our point, particularly paired with our demonstration. After only a few more moments, the scientist nods to his boss and steps off the stage to ready the next aspect of the presentation. The human body. The CEO of the Lore Corporation explains, As resilient as it is, as capable as it is, of being molded into the finest athletes and soldiers, is still incredibly fragile. A prolonged four-degree increase in body temperature can cause brain damage and even death. Tissue temperature dropping only three or four degrees can cause frostbite. And once body temperature drops to 70 degrees, hypothermia and death can quickly result. Your soldiers and agents find themselves in arenas that are incredibly hostile. Sub-zero temperatures, arid deserts, blistering heat. All of these are environments where merely surviving is an obstacle to overcome before any mission can be accomplished. With the end of her sentence, Dr. McLean escorts a young man in a medical gown up onto the stage and they approach the clear box. And when these missions are accomplished... Your brave men and women not only have to outrun, outfight, and outthink our enemies, but at times the very environment can be an enemy, an unrelenting enemy that always has the home field advantage. Behind her, the young man removes his hospital gown. On his chest, arms, and thighs are medical sensors to which Dr. McLean begins attaching wires that connect to the laptop. What we can provide is a way for you to protect your soldiers, your agents, your brave and talented men and women from one of humanity's oldest adversaries. We can protect the skills, the knowledge, the resource of those you send into the field. 
we can provide another line of defense to make sure your most valued resource lives to fight another day, lives to deliver valuable information, lives to make it home, lives. With that, Jessica Lohr turns to Dr. McLean, who has ushered the young man into the box, the wires protruding out of a gasket built into its side. Please observe. She says as Dr. McLean begins to address the audience. Hello, he says. I'm Dr. Leland McLean, physician and biologist for the Lore Corporation. A few of the military men in attendance, not particularly interested in hearing an egghead list his credentials, clear their throats, adjust their positions in their seats. One man cracks his neck and stretches. Uh, this is Daniel. Inside the box, the young man either does not hear Dr. McLean or simply does not respond. He's 26 years old. He's in exceptional health aside from his bad knee. He had been a speed skater before his injury, but has remained in a nearly peak physical condition similar to your elite soldiers. At this prospect, some of the military officials scoff. Uh, I, I say this so you understand that. The infographic of the human body displays Daniel's vitals. That Daniel was in good health, and that prior to what you will see next, he's not physiologically out of the norm for the fit men and women in your forces. Dr. McLean, shall we begin? Jessica Lore asks. At this, Dr. McLean nods and removes from behind the podium a tank similar to a fire extinguisher. Attaching a nozzle to a second gasket on the clear box, he then turns a valve on the canister, and a white mist begins to surround Daniel and fill the chamber. The temperature inside this chamber is being lowered to the sub-zero range. She says as a thermometer showing the internal temperature of the chamber is projected alongside Daniel's vitals. As the chamber gets colder and colder, Daniel's body temperature soon begins to decrease as well. Normally, Daniel's body would suffer not only from frostbite, but would be experiencing hypothermia. Jessica Lore waits for a few moments. Now. Daniel's body appears covered in frost. He is motionless. After a few more moments, the body temperature display reads 40 degrees. Daniel is now dead. She says matter-of-factly as the number on the monitor continues to decrease. There's a murmur throughout the room. We've asked one of your doctors to confirm young Daniel's state. Dr. McLean opens the clear box, now seemingly a sub-zero coffin, from which pours a wave of bitter cold. An army surgeon steps up from the side of the stage. Instruments in hand, she checks Daniel's vitals. As the displays projected behind the stage quantify Jessica Lore's claim, the army surgeon confirms that Daniel is indeed dead. What if... Rather than raging against the storm, it could be ridden out. What if, when confronted with conditions that would otherwise kill them, soldiers could enter an almost hibernative state? Their extraction could wait until an enemy or target reduced their level of attention, and then could pass through dangerous terrain with far less equipment and make far less of a footprint during the most sensitive moments of an operation. Every display being projected reads as fatal. The look on the army surgeon's face, as well as the expression on the faces of many of the men and women who have seen combat and lost friends, show an unease, a great discomfort with what they see as something macabre. Others, however, look on coldly, dispassionately. I said I would not use too much of your time today, so I won't subject you to the weeks that Daniel here could remain in this state. The state of dead? The army surgeon angrily asks. Yes, doctor, the state of dead indeed. He will not move, will not make a sound, not even a single heartbeat. 
thermal instruments will skip over him as just another piece of the landscape. He is dead. Medically, that is to say. Captain, she says to the army surgeon, if you could assist Dr. McLean. The physicians, one dutifully, the other begrudgingly, move the seemingly frozen Daniel onto a stretcher. While Daniel's vitals were completely normal, he had been treated with a new formula developed by the Lord Corporation's research wing several days beforehand, but it was only the first part. Now, Dr. McLean will administer the second half of this revolutionary pair. Dr. McLean administers an injection with a high-powered gun-like syringe. Afterward, he asks the army surgeon to monitor the patient as he retrieves blankets and water from behind the podium. Soon, the vitals projected behind Jessica Lore begin to change, while her smile remains still, calm and confident. The eyes of Captain Deirdre Galley, the army surgeon, widen as she frantically checks for pulse and blood pressure. Alive. He's alive. Last time on This American Monster. After fighting two different dark creatures in the museum, the Law Corporation team has learned that their foes have the abilities of superhuman strength, the power to turn into animals, and some form of mesmerism. They believe them to be vampires. Barely escaping a tense encounter with police, the team learned that many exhibits and items from the museum have been moved. So we join Sundry Charms slurping down another giant oyster, and it says, uh, <laughs> it says Sizzlers, uh, spelled with a few extra Z's at the end. Um, and there's a, a, a waitress comes by and brings you guys like some drinks, and it's a waitress in like a sexy Hooters Wing Zone esque outfit that's like um, maybe to stick with the kind of Southern vibe that we periodically have. Everybody's got to wear like Daisy Duke cutoffs. Perfect. And uh, like a plaid tee that's tied up around their around their waist, and um, all the bussers have to wear cowboy hats. So um, unless that's uh, chomping on too much of sundry and Mister Heck style. No, I love it. Okay. That's so, it. thanks, Dom. Oysters are chewy today. And she's like, I, not, yeah, and I think she'll she'll kind of nod at you and be like, and. Uh, I don't think we've had this happen before. I think she goes back to kind of the waitress station where they kind of load everything up. And one of the other waitresses is there is like, isn't that that guy who wrote that song about beating up his wife? <laughs> and she's like, oh, I thought that guy looked familiar. And she's like, that song's disgusting. I hope you spit in his food. And she's like, she's like, hey. She's like, well, I did, but I didn't single him out. I yeah, I spit in everybody's food. Yeah. This is Sizzlers. Um, so then we hop back to from the the waitress station, the server station, back to Mister Heck and uh, Sundry Charms, and they each have their new drinks. And so Mister Heck just just kind of continues to say, like, all you got to do, son, is make sure that any of those things that they want, well, they don't get them. They just come my way. 
That company you and your buddies are that company you and your buddies are working for. They ain't the good guys here. What do you know about them, Mister Hick? I'll say, and oh yeah, and he'll just say like, you know what happened to that little, you know what happened to that girl y'all rounded up, um, Birdie. Mm-hmm. No, I believe Mister Walker said they were getting her the help she needed. Uh, well, if the help she needs is to be put up in a cage like an animal, then yeah, looks like they got her the help that she needed. These, these folks, these folks y'all are working for, they're not out there to help anybody. They're out there to make themselves rich. And they're willing to do whatever it might take, including hurting folks that, well, seem to have just run into a little bit of bad luck. Like Birdie. Just like Birdie. And I suppose they'd be in better hands for you? Says... I'm not going to pretend I'm out here wearing a different color hat than I am. And I'll kind of like touch the rim of the black Stetson that he's wearing. But since they're just in it for themselves, why not get a little something for it out of yourself other than just a paycheck? Which, after all, you don't need. And if you don't, uh, if you don't come along on this deal, wouldn't much matter even if you put it in the bank anyhow. Well, it just sounds like you're trying to uh, appeal to my better angels and... Uh... Uh, my conscience for caring about these people and then just asking me to trade one devil for another. He says, hate to tell you, son, but those are the only horses I got in the stable. I just want to know what you got planned for these folk. He says, didn't much matter when Lorcor was looking for him. Why does it matter too much when I am? Well, uh, on account of you made my life difficult so far, but separate and apart from that, um, when Lorcor first started asking, as far as I concerned, was concerned, these things were monsters. Now come to find out, uh, you know, they're just, uh, in some instances, uh, poor little girls don't know any better. Well, if you want to keep people safe from the things that they call monsters, stuff like your friends had seen before, weird fish critters, some kind of angsty teen what set himself up in a computer, making his friends, uh, Making the people he thought were his friends die. See, we'll let, I'll let your friends fill you in on that one. He says, you can get rid of those things. Keep the other folks safe from them. And here's the good thing. You won't have to question what's going on with it. You won't have to leave the mystery out. You want to keep them... You want to keep the people around here safe from it. And you want to keep... Uh, you want to keep going to make yourself another album or enjoy all those wealth... All that wealth you got. All you got to do is this. And this is when we, when he'll present to you the way that he wants you to essentially send these things to him. It could be like, just shoot them with this magic bullet or stab them with this magical knife or put this pill in their mouth and tell them to chew it. What do you, what do you think would be the... the I think way? it should be something very mundane. Like he takes them to a back office of the DMV uh, at night. And there's like a, a waiting room in there that people never leave. So he just tells you, bring them here, bring them to this place? Yeah. Okay. Oh, excuse me. All right. So yeah, and he'll say, he'll say something to you like, like, I don't want to be too uh, over the top and dramatic. Figure I let my dress do that enough on its own. If you want, when you get a hold of one of these things, one of these targets that uh, the lore corporation, when them, one of the targets them folks would want you to bring to them, instead, you bring it here. And he just slides across the the table to you like um, a torn out page from the yellow pages of like the DMV. 
you want me to go to the DMV? What am I? Well, you'll have yourself a, let's just say, you'll have yourself a license to do uh, whatever you want when this contract runs up. Or, well, you could always get that license revoked. Let me ask you a couple things, Austin. Um, So, I think Sundry's going to ask him, like, well, if you want me to do this, then, like, giving me some help, giving me some, like, edge or competitive advantage against mm-hmm. the uh my teammates give me some new piece of information that i can use to get to them first um is going to be downright necessary um so that's one thing that we can go into the other thing though are there is this just like oh this week you're doing vampires bring me the vampire or could it be that like the devil's interested in things sort of above and beyond or in addition to um, just a step, for instance, like Matlock. The, the way you understand, so the part of that I can answer very, very easily. The way you've understood your mission from the lore corporation, based on what you've kind of learned from Mr. Welker is that almost anything supernatural lore core wants to get its hands on. So whether that would be, uh, Roberta Hellinger, who is some kind of were Panther, whether that would be vampires, whether it would be like, if there was a magical artifact, uh, that you could find, or if there was, um, yeah, like Matlock or something like that. If it's the kind of thing that Lorecore would be interested in, he's saying, don't send it to them, send it to me. Okay. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's kind of his deal with that. And I think, and I know this is very brimstone inspired. You and I had discussed possibly having him have some kind of like some kind of thing that would change to kind of delineate like, Oh, you're closer to being done with this task. Uh, I don't remember. Okay. Is there a thing that would kind of work out like that? Like I know in brimstone, he had like all these crazy rune tattoos all over himself. And every time he um, brought a demon back to hell, he sent a demon back to hell. One of them would burn off. So he was supposed to like, that show was fucking awesome. Um, But uh, I guess like the, the watch, right? Okay, that could that could work out. Back to normal. Yeah, I think that's I think that's the case. And yeah, if you ask him something about like, like how much of this do you want? How many of these things would I have to give you? He'll tell you that like, oh, the watch will. He's like, well, you can just check the time right there on your uh, right there in your wrist, there, son. Um, and as for uh, and as for helping me out, uh, this these aren't going to come easy. Not, not when there's a whole team pitted against me. I'll say, I understand that completely. Like, I could maybe whoop stomach again. I'll say, I can give you some help here and there, but what would I be if I couldn't recognize? What would I be if I couldn't recognize good talent? I'll give you one, give you one, uh, give you one for free here, son. You were able to get famous. You were able to get famous, get rich with my help. He says, you ended up in jail. You were able to get out of jail with their help. Now, you might view it as they just thought you'd be a great addition to the team. But I'll tell you, the team you're working on and the critters you're hunting down, they don't view y'all as all too separate from one another. We see a scene of an idyllic park, or not an idyllic park, an idyllic garden. And again, think almost... 
the Great British Baking Show, um, kind of peaceful spring or summer garden with not... sporadic cuts to little black lambs. Yeah, sheep, a duck reason. periodically. Yeah. Um, yeah, there's just a bunch of weirdos in a tent, <laughs> that kind of thing. So uh, one of the big things about this garden, again, is that a lot of the plants are not what you would think of when you think of Florida. Um, I'm not myself a botanist of any kind. Um, at least my degree is not recognized in this country. But yeah, it's a lot of flowers that the heat and the humidity probably just wouldn't, they wouldn't do well in Florida. So, um, and especially because it's summer. So it should be like blazingly hot. So my hair probably looks amazing in here. Yeah. Um, but we see this and we join Mr. Welker. And I think you're sitting on something, maybe a stump. Maybe you're leaned up against, or maybe you're even sitting on that well. Yeah. And um, you're, we see, we see him just kind of like initially by himself, just a shot of him alone for a moment. And then maybe he kind of uh, tips this little tiny perfume bottle looking uh, thing, this tiny perfume bottle of some kind of weird booze up to his lips and takes a sip. And we immediately know where we are in case we had any doubt as viewers of this show. And then we pan down to see his company and his companion, of course, is Matt what Luck. what kind of uh, what kind of mammal? A little kitty cat. He's a cat again. What was he last time? He was a, he, he's been a he's been like a ginger cat and then a um, like a basset hound. I've, when we met him as a hound, was he in the park? He wasn't. Was yes, he? we've we've only encountered him in this park. Oh, he was. OK, mm -hmm. um, I, I don't have a better idea than cat. Maybe like an, like another different kind of cat. Um, okay. Yeah, just to have him go back or, to being or a cat. Actually, it could be fun. Actually, if he's just like a or like a rabbit, you know, you don't expect rabbits to do anything interesting. I should know. All right. Well, sure. Little insider rabbit knowledge. Okay. He's chewing his pellets to get the additional nutrients, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Okay. So yeah. So you lean it down, and there is a and the camera kind of pans down to the as you give this bottle back to someone and that person of course is a rabbit oh and I've, I've started taking uh like tiny like bottles of like good liquor with me just in case i run into matlock and i can like share it with him oh awesome yeah so you're you're drinking this and you kind of like you take a swig and oh you, you we see so we, we see like mr trade. woker yeah we see mr woker maybe forget and you guys kind of cheers and you have a tiny bottle of um, maybe some kind of scotch or whiskey or brandy or something like that. That's real small. And um, yeah, there's a rabbit. And I imagine it's kind of like a brown, almost like a hare. Mm -hmm. So maybe a little bit bigger than a normal rabbit. Long ears, big feet. Yeah. Long ears, big feet, can't lose, full hearts, whatever it is. <laughs> um, <laughs> Friday night rabbits. So yeah. And he'll, he'll take a, take a nip of that and then just be like, Oh, not as not not what I remember not what I remember it, but still patch still packs a punch. So yeah, believe it or not, we're still capable of making spirits worth drinking out here in the real world. I, well, it's been a long time since I've been in your real world, there, uh, boyo. But I miss it sometimes. Other times, eh, don't mind the 
Oop, my stomach's growling. Don't mind the peacefulness of it, uh, but what I got here. And Walker, what? will I say cheers to that. Yeah. Uh, given the opportunity, he'll sort of like go into like how difficult it's been for him to balance work and family life and just sort of with the theme of like, uh, I can't tell my family what I do and they just don't understand how important it is. And they keep like dragging me down, essentially. He goes, dragging you down, huh? Well, I got to tell you, you're, I'm sure, pretty special if you can end up here. And it's funny that you say dragging you down because when you first showed up, I noticed that, I noticed that obviously there was something different about you. Just, just the fact that you and your lad could, could come in here sets you apart from the other, the other big folk. But, you know, but you know, lately there's been something else that it's reminded me and it's reminded me, well, of you. What's that? He goes, I'd warned you before about something that, uh, something that seemed like it came from the water that was maybe bother, maybe following you around, following your lad around, maybe something that was off. And then, a little bit back, there was some other, something else that showed up. Can and he, he kind of like ruffles his nose a little bit, and uh, see like maybe the scent, if you will. Yes, says from what I know, a lot of my folks have been uh, gone themselves under the ground. They have down below the earth. They're done. They're done hanging out up here. If I had the option, maybe I'd join them. I don't know, but I realize there's there's something else that's come up out of the earth. And it showed up in town a wee bit ago, and now the smell's been stuck. It's like, it's like a fart that you just can't shake. Something that really, something that really sticks in there, in the back, hits you in the back of the throat almost. You think this thing is? You said it's coming after my son. I had, I had sensed something following you about, but that's something smelled like, smelled like the, like a bog, smelled like the, like the sea. That's not what this is. This is something from the earth. Something from under the earth. And that was the weird thing. The thing it reminded me of. It wasn't that thing from the ocean. There's a little bit of a... The same smell that I'd... That had hit me before. And that's the smell that you have. I'll tell him about our recent um, dalliances with vampires. And ask him, like, if there's any way he can make a connection between those two things. He says, well, if... And if you describe enough... Yeah, I won't um, keep anything from him. Okay. And particularly if you describe the aspects about, like, the dirt. Mm -hmm. And he'll say, like, well, I mean, the dead, most of the dead are buried underground, right? Mm -hmm. Coming up from the earth itself, holding on to the earth, especially when you're supposed to be shuffled off. You know, maybe, like, look up and we see birds fly past or something. Um, say, maybe if that's the case, maybe that's where that smell's coming from. Something that crawled its way out of the ground and... Oh, won't stop making the stink known. Uh, Walker would say, listen, Matlock, I know what I just said doesn't really paint me as the best family man anymore, but if there's anything coming to do harm to to, to my family, I need to know about it, because uh, I'll do whatever it takes to make sure that doesn't happen. Is there says, something I need to know? Says I, yeah. Oh, oh, stomach again. Says I, well, whatever it is that crawled its way up here, that's been uh, stinking up the air, Whatever it is, it's dangerous. Something like that doesn't crawl its way back up here just for fun. It's unnatural. It took me a minute to notice it, you know. I mean, I'd known you and you have a little bit of the smell yourself. I mean, that may be why you can get out here. But Did you smell this on me before uh, before today? Aye, yeah. From when we first met, I think that's one of the things that sets you apart. 
like I said, I didn't notice it too much myself. I think my senses have been a little bit, little bit dull down here in the deep. Water's not too good for the nose. What am I, a fish? And he, and he kind of has a, the pipe in his mouth, and he kind of like nudges you with it to like, hey, light this pipe. Yeah, Walker will oblige, and he'll say, well then, uh, well, unless you know, unless my hygiene just isn't as uh, up to snuff as I thought it was, I, I just don't know what that could be. I'm just a regular. Just a regular human. I don't know about that there, son. place like this, no grown living man should be able to enter a place like this. How are we playing the vampire thing? Like, do we definitely know that these are probably vampires now? Or is it like TV logic? Like, what strange supernatural things are happening unbelievable i think that i think that you guys at least have said these are vampires and um we've thrown out enough stuff where like these are vampires however i think we might be in the we're in the definite area of okay they're vampires in some kind of capacity but we don't know necessarily what that means compared Mm -hmm. to vampires in the movies my first thought was he's going especially because He's been feeling sick after he got bit by this cat guy. Mm-hmm. He was going to be like at the like downtown library or something like what? What do you know about? Can I have some microfiche about vampires or something? That could work. Yeah. Okay. So. All right. So you're not at the university library. You're at the regular downtown library. Yeah. I don't think he's an actual um, student, although if the university library, I mean, that if that sounds more interesting to you, I'm down. I thought it'd be funny, just like the, uh, I'm just picturing like the, the Orlando downtown library is just like, there's sure. characters in there. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how many people do I have to kick out of this library for jerking off? Yeah. Um, all right. So we have a shot of um, the Palmetto City kind of downtown area skyline. Then we have a shot of the Palmetto City library. So the Palmetto City Public Library is kind of like a, three or four story building in the heart of downtown. It was very clearly built in like the seventies or so where it's a lot of concrete, very kind of thin windows. It's that, that like real, um, it's a pretty ugly building. And, um, Oh, I've I've got an idea. What if, uh, in these establishing shots, there's a, like a statue out front, but it's just like a really creepy, like almost like pilgrim looking thing. Like, why would someone do this? This just a mysterious figure. Okay. I'm thinking like a uh, the farmer in a uh, like American Gothic, you know, just like this severe looking person looking down at everybody. Like, oh, oh our founder, kind of. Okay, like, yeah. This library or something. Yeah, I think that yeah, outside outside of the Palmetto City Library, I think that yeah, that's 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 pretty cool. They have um, some sculptures, and so we see like a shot of you know a sign that says Palmetto City Public Library and its address, but then like making it look even taller because we're looking up at it is this very severe looking um, to kind of match some of the stuff that we've dealt with with Matlock, this uh, kind of conquistador-esque figure Mm -hmm. uh, that looks kind of very severe and then like has these smaller people around him that are um, like supposed to be farmers and business people. And it's supposed to be like, like different people throughout the ages of Palmetto City. Yeah, I love it. 
Alfonso uh, Palmetto. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Alfonso <laughs> Palmetto. Um, but yeah, he, I was going to say uh, there had been like uh, clearly images of slaves and native Americans that were really <laughs> bad, but they changed that. Yeah, or maybe those like are still there. Different colored. Yeah. They're, they're, those are still there, but there's like spray painted, like on the statue, like murderer. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so you have, you have that kind of image outside and we see this building. And like I said, the building looks fairly severe. It's a lot of concrete. I'm almost imagining not just the Orlando downtown library, but actually the Bradenton public library looks kind of the way I'm imagining too, where it's like, there's not a ton of windows for a building that you would need as much light as you would. And it just kind of looks ugly. Mm-hmm. And yeah. So then we see Ashton, um, with his nose in a book and maybe he's got a whole list of books that he's like looking through and a whole pile of books. Oh, to... Yeah. yeah I was thinking just the, uh, the really, really stereotypical establishing shot would just be like him with like a big stack of books next to him and just mm-hmm. going over one. Yeah. And I, I think we can see that all the books are of course about vampires. Mm-hmm. All right. So it says like, it talks about vampires. There's stuff about just the occult in general. Um, so there's lots of different books that he's kind of going through and looking. And we see he's written down a bunch of notes. And, um, hmm. Yeah. And, and so he's really um, pretty severely wounded still and probably still the, uh, like, not sleeping haggard look about him as well. Gotcha. Yeah, we see him. He looks he looks pale. He's got dark circles under his eyes. And we kind of hear the voiceover of Ashton going through something to kind of remind us of what we found last time around, where it's like uh, like many representations of vampires present that they must sleep in the earth of their homeland um, in order to uh, continue to thrive um, oh. in and it'll talk about like it'll give the example of like in Bram Stoker's Dracula, Dracula shipped crates of Earth to uh, to London uh, in order that so that he could rest in these uh, rest in the Earth of his uh, former Mons. Yeah, and the, um, maybe on his notes it's like Rostovich Castle question mark mm-hmm. circled three times. Yeah, cool. And so I think as you're as you're looking at that, you eventually you're kind of deep in study and deep in study. And then you feel a hand on your shoulder. That's kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah. So he probably startles with that. Yeah. And I think if this was a TV show or a movie, it would have like the slow, like (laughs) kind of a thing to make it look extra spooky. And um, as you startle and whip around, it's Reagan and Reagan also seems kind of disheveled. Um, Her kind of like thick black hair is maybe kind of messy. And she also looks like she hasn't gotten a ton of sleep. Also looks a little bit ill um, in the same way that you do. And um, I think she's wearing the exact clothes she was wearing on the night of the gala. So this is like two, this is like two or three days afterwards. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah. And she says like, Ashton, oh, there you are. You know, I, I'd stopped by your, I'd stopped by your apartment and tried to, tried to visit you there and I couldn't find you. Oh, do you need uh, this table? I can, I can leave if you want. She's like, "Oh no, you don't need to leave." I mean, I, I was able to find you here. I was, you were the person I was looking for. He kind of just gives her a look, like, "Oh, good." Like, "Oh yeah." Yeah. She's like, "I know, I know these last, 
I know these last few nights have been really, really difficult for you, but I mean, they've been tough for me too. Well, I'm so sorry for you. And I think she sits down next to you. She like pulls up a chair and sits down next to you and gets kind of very close and says, they've been tough for both of us, but that's because we're both going through the same thing, Ashton. Oh, then maybe he uh, like moves this book aside. That's like, are you a vampire is the title Mm -hmm. or something? Yeah. He's like, oh, wait, like maybe quieter. Like, what do you mean by that? She says, we're both going through the same. There's my stomach again. We're both going through the same thing. We're both. And she, and she like, um, she gets like, she like grabs her hands with both of her hands. And she'll say like, we're both changing because, because of him. Cat guy. She'll be like, cat guy. No, I cat guy. I no, no. In fact, she'll. She acts like she has no idea who you're talking about. Yeah, she's like, she's like, oh, no, cat guy. I don't even know. It's it. That doesn't. Whoever that is, that doesn't even matter anymore. There's something so much bigger here. He's so much bigger, and he's bringing us with him, Ashton. Who are you talking about? You met him. You know exactly who I'm talking about. How could you possibly forget? It's like looking up into the sky in the middle of the day and saying, what sun? You know exactly who it is. You know. And yeah, in your head, you know exactly who she means. She means yeah. um, the guy who... Nick Ruskin? Yeah, who introduced himself as Nicholas Ruskin. Yeah, like there's zero doubt in your mind of who she's talking about at that yeah. point. And I think we even get like a flashback of him like extending his hand and shaking yours and talking to you. And she's like, like him being here has changed. It's changed this place and it's changed us. He is like the sun and we're just, and she's like, and he's bringing us to be, to be things that orbit around him. He's making us, pulling us off of this regular earth and making us so much more. Ashton, that's what's happening. And you, he chose you too. Um, hmm. And then maybe he'll just, I don't know if I, Hopefully I didn't dramatically do this yet, but he like just shuts his book slowly, pushes mm-hmm. it away and just says, um, so that's why you and Mr. Wilker ellipses. And I think, I don't know how this would best be conveyed in a TV show. She basically pushes past it and tries to say like, like, why does he matter? Like, like, he, like basically she pushes past like he's nothing. Yeah. What if, I mean, if she just said that, that could and work she, great. And oh yeah. She'll just say like, I think she'll, she'll say. Like, he's nothing. You and I have been chosen. You and I have been chosen by a god. The changes, what's happening? It's the first. And she's getting, like, closer and closer. And I think she'll kind of, like, hold on to you a little tighter. Mm-hmm. And she's like, what's happening to us is the start of a change. We're becoming closer to a god. We've been chosen. Those other people. I... And you see it kind of pains her for a second to say this. And she takes a m- minute with it. But she says... They don't matter. Hmm. Okay. So I feel like um, I might be I, like, I want to make a move here, right? Mm-hmm. I think there's two uh, that I'm thinking of. I don't know if you think this is time for a move. It can be. I feel like the the move trust me might be more interesting, hmm. which is uh, when you tell a normal person the truth in order to protect them from danger. My and- my one caveat with this is I think she's past normal person at this point. Mm, okay. 
I was so, gonna, well, that that makes sense. I was gonna say it's more interesting, I think, because they have the option to like ask hard questions and stuff. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I can I can buy that. It's not a normal person. Yeah. So I think that she's. Uh, I think she's I, like. I, that's yeah. Fine. Okay. I, I accept your answer. Okay. The other one I was thinking of was uh, I read a bad situation, right? That sounds good. Yeah. Go for it. So a seven plus whatever my sharp is. So an eight still. Cool. Eight. Okay. So you get to ask one of those, right? Yeah. And I think, um, I mean, hmm. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to, uh, yeah, I think what I was really going for is what's the best way to protect the victims here? Mm-hmm. I'm I'm interpreting the victims being her, but you might interpret that differently. Okay, yeah, I think that that's I think that that's kind of relevant there. Um, the best way to protect the victims. Uh, this definitely points. Oh, this is great. This points you to something. This issue will not be solved, and these victims, including her and other possible victims, will not be safe until she's pointing. She helps like point you to and focus your attention to this guy. Nicholas Ruskin, mm-hmm. like you had encountered these other creatures at the museum itself, but neither one were him. And you're now thinking to yourself, even if we had managed to possibly kill those things, the victims or potential victims still wouldn't have been safe. So really go after uh, Ruskin. Yeah, you got to cut the head off the snake here. Yeah, good way to say that. All right. Yeah. So I think he kind of um, realizing that kind of looks at Reagan and almost like he was, I feel he was like a hurt before, you know, like I can't believe my girlfriend made out with my boss. And, uh, but now he's almost like piteous for her. Like he looks more concerned, just like, um, Oh, Reagan. Um, I think you think too highly of him. Why don't you just go home and try to, I don't know. Um, take some time off. Just get some rest. Looks like you need it. Are you trying to do that as a manipulate, you think? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can see that. Okay, go for it. Yeah. I can, yeah, yeah Melba. Yeah, I forgot. Well, I got a six, but I think my uh, charm is pretty good. Yeah, so still an eight. Okay. Less exciting. Yeah. But she'll... Oh, yeah. Um, I think she'll give you like a warning... So because one of the things I really like about this game is it's just like, if you get this, the concrete assurance will be that they, like they'll tell you what they want as concrete assurance. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of like that because it just means there's fewer like, you don't know what they want. Fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, which we always ran into problems with. Um, I think she'll say like, I think she'll go like, oh, we could both use some rest. But here's what. Oh, yeah. I think she'll say like, you should, you know, hmm. She'll. Here's what she wants, and let's figure out a way she could say this kind of dramatically. What she's going to basically tell you is like, yeah, I'd be down to get some rest, but I. She almost doesn't want you to hang out with the rest of your crew of people, and the information she can give you is like, um, like you've been you've been marked to become the child of a god. They've just like they've been marked as enemies of a god, and I think she gets into like. So, yeah, maybe she'll just say exactly that. And she almost gets into some, like, Old Testament biblical kind of stuff of, like, I'll rest, but if you want to avoid the wrath of a god, I'll rest easier knowing you're doing the same. Meaning, like, stay out of that. Um, yeah, okay. I, I think I think I might 
um, it might be interesting if I overplay my hand here. I think mm-hmm. he's going to say, um, it, and she's kind of implying, oh, don't go to the rest of the team, right? You said? Um, I think she's just kind of warning you of like, stop me- stop working with them against um, this person she keeps referring to as a god. I think she'll also call him like her, like the master at mm-hmm. points. So like, stop stop working with the rest of the team against the master because they've been marked as his enemies and like, you don't want to also be marked in such a way. Yeah. So I think he, he'll say, um, well, listen, his enemies, I guess I know pretty well and you shouldn't underestimate them. Like you could be a target too, unless you get some rest and hunker down. Why don't you just stay out of this until things blow over for Mm -hmm. both our sakes is how I'll put that back to her, I guess. Okay, so I'm. It sounds to me like you're saying I'm not gonna give up on this stuff. You need to just go, go to sleep. Um, no, I'm saying I'll, uh, if I do that, you should do it too. I guess take this more seriously. Go ahead and describe what starts out as maybe a pleasant dream for mm. Herbert Darkblade sixty nine mock, and then maybe starts to turn spooky. And then uh, I'll kind of take over once we've reached uh, once we've reached a, a good spookiness level. Okay. Well, he's definitely. Uh, what's his girlfriend's name again? His ex girlfriend's name? Addie Zems. Yeah, Addie Zems is is there, and like she's she's like, oh, I've been thinking about you. I think about you all the time, and our time together, and I uh, I miss you, and. Um, Darkblade gives her a hug and um, as he's in her embrace, he realizes that uh, she's got uh, hairy arms and uh, he's like, huh, it's like me when I don't, when I don't shave my thighs and uh, the, the grip on him gets tighter and tighter and uh, he feels something sharp digging into his back and the voice of our Panther friend says, uh, you don't think I forgot about you, did ya? Okay. And uh, he tries to pull away, and he but the claws go deeper into his back. Um, he starts screaming. So he's screaming, and then we see that he's in kind of a different place. Um, I think he's, um, oh, he's in a hole, and he's looking up. And he's alone and he kind of feels around in the hole and he just hears kind of a laughing that first starts out kind of quiet and then it gets louder and it gets a little bit louder and you see a shadow kind of like uh, fall over this hole and it kind of becomes darker and you're forced to look up and standing there um, in front of the moon is not uh, Roberta Hellinger who became a panther, but instead is a man you think you had seen at the gala. Okay. Um, his features are very, very dark. He's kind of a tall, thin man, and he's looking down. It's tough to see uh, completely like his facial features, mm-hmm. but you just hear, I see you've gone down into the earth. Have you fallen there, or are you hiding? Okay. And Darkblade is able to respond at any point in this conversation. Okay, gotcha. But, okay. So he's, what do you mean, into the earth? It's like, and you kind of like 
go to touch the sides of this hole and you can tell that it's entirely rectangular and you can tell that you're in a grave. Oh, okay. And this person is standing over the grave at like where the foot of the grave would be. And, um, and he'll say, are you there to join your, the others like you? It's perhaps it's time even for a half breed as yourself to join them down below the earth. This is no longer a place for you. What do you mean? What do you mean, half-breed? What are you calling me that for? He says, your blood, your blood calls you down below the earth. No longer must you be up. No longer must you be here. I have crawled my, I have kept myself on this earth for long, for long enough to be able to tell those that should be there in it in my place. And even though only half your blood cries out as this, it is enough. Follow follow the lead of all the others. Retreat from the world. It will be safer there for you. What is it that you want? What do you Ooh. want with this? You don't have to worry about me. I'm already I'm already a member of the underground. I'll say. I've made this I've made this world my home. Immutable and forever. Your time has passed, little one. As tall as you may be. Their blood runs in your veins. I do not want it. You should keep yourself safe. Down below, that's where you belong. Trying to decide in a dream sequence, should we have any roles, or does that not work out? How supernatural is the dream? I've heard if you die in a dream, you die in real life. It's true. Also, if you jizz your pants in a dream. Yes, you jizz your pants in real life. Um, Yeah. That's why having those wet dreams when you just pass out in class was so dangerous. Um, Not off, and then you're like, Um, yeah. Um, I think that this is supernatural, but it's not, um, it's, yeah, so it's not just a regular dream. So you could make like a read a bad situation since you're asking this guy some questions. Okay. All right. Yeah, I'm going to do that. Go for it. I rolled a seven. Seven. Okay. Hmm. Okay. Do you have one of those questions that kind of speaks to you? Um, isn't there one that's like, what does this guy want? What are they? Are there any dangers I haven't seen? What's the biggest threat? What's most vulnerable to me? What's the biggest, best way to protect the victims? So there's not one. What does this guy want? Okay. Um, that was my stomach growling again. Um, what is... Unless, unless do we want to have him answer the, uh, investigate a mystery question, what was it going to do? Yeah. Is there, does, does an investigate a mystery role make sense in this circumstance? Sure. Any thoughts on that, guys? I would say even if it's a dream and it has no ramifications in real life, then why bother rolling? What? Uh, but that role works if we're going to do that. Yeah, if this is like a creepy, like a Nightmare on Elm Street dream, like a supernatural thing, then. I say anything goes. Okay, cool. Like so that in that case, in that case, if you're asking what was it going to do, um, you can tell that this thing is, you can sense that this is a creature of like tremendous staying power. And this is a creature that doesn't um, like say again. Like me. Yeah, like, like much like Carl. Um, the, it's a creature that, uh, is territorial and domineering and uh its plan is to set itself up here and it's already begun to do that 
And I think if you can look, you see it standing behind, like, or in front of this, like, great tree. And you can see that the roots are already kind of, like, beginning to grow into the earth. And as it's as it's doing this, the tree is getting darker and scarier, but it's also getting taller. And as this continues to go, you're able to see that this tree looks, like, as tall as a tower. And that's when I think, and I think you just hear it say again, like, do not bother yourself here. This world is not for your kind. Little one, join your little brothers under the earth. Where am I? Where am I kind? So I think saying into the earth, but um, where, where in the earth are they? I mean, in caves and I always knew I was different, but. So I, uh... I think we see you saying this or asking this and yelling it. And as you're asking it, you're trying to crawl out of this grave and just more of the dirt is kind of falling on you and you just see this tree getting taller and taller and more of the dirt is on you till you're buried and then we see him we see dark blade like shaken awake like oh 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 what a powerful wet dream when you wake up you kind of like shake the blankets off of yourself and you maybe go to the bathroom to kind of splash some water on your face and you look down in the sink and there's like dirt in the sink and you look under your nails as if you've been clawing through the dirt and there's like a bunch of dirt under your nails when there certainly shouldn't be you're like this isn't the cheeto dust that should be there so i wanted to do those scenes to kind of get some more about your characters out there but i think all of those uh less so sundries but all of those kind of connect to this plot. Yeah, probably not so much Sundries. Sundries is more general, broad strokes. Um, and we were talking about rowing machines. So, um, but um, from this point, I don't have a specific place for you to go. So what would our next scene be if, you know, we come back from the intro, then we see Sundries scene, we see Mr. Welker, we see Ashton, we see Darkblade... We have another commercial break. When we come back, what are you guys doing? And I, well, we're all around an open grave, and mm-hmm. there's yeah. a coffin in the middle of it, and we're smashing it with wooden stakes. And okay, killing the main vampire. Nice. <laughs> uh, I thought it was gonna be like an office space uh, mm-hmm. scene. Yeah, you guys just can't get this coffin to work, <laughs> yeah. so you hate it and you destroy it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I, I similarly, my initial suggestion the session was like we should just be at the front door of like this like stronghold or the supposed stronghold. So like I feel like anything that gets us closer to that situation is what I would vote for. Okay, the stronghold being Cypress Gardens, right? So Cypress Knolls Tower Gardens, because I kept fucking up the name. It was original. I it, I originally came up with just Knolls, then I changed it from Knolls to Cypress Knolls. Then I was like, no, there's already a Cypress Gardens. It's in Palm Meadow City. Why doesn't it be Palm Knolls? And then I forgot to say that the few times I mentioned it at first. So here we are. Can you add any more words into this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I guarantee yeah. you I will not remember that at all. I'll be like, C-K-T-B. Cypress Knolls, Bach Tower. It is heavily based on Bach Tower Gardens. But yeah, so... So do you think that's where we where we see you guys is like heading to Cypress Knolls Tower Gardens? I would yeah. say that like it's like a, a thunderstorm has just started, there's lightning in the background, the rain's coming out pretty heavy, and we're all standing at the front gate with our weapons of choice out, ready to go. Yes, I like that. 
Okay. So yeah. So and Carl actually hit the hit the nail on the head. There is a storm that's kind of brewed, um, but there's like an uncharacteristic aspect, which is like it'll rain, not super heavily, but um, like heavy enough where the heat um, in the area has kind of created this as like a fog. Where as you guys have kind of rolled in here, there's straight up like it's foggy. And so, like, you had to turn on your high beams to kind of continue navigating in this way. If one of you was using um, your phone or whatever to uh, use a GPS to navigate to get here, um, that, like, shut off at some point, or it was just, like, stopped giving you accurate information. Or give you, like, all these, like, flood warnings and, like, telling you, like, turn around, it's no longer safe to continue. Oh, yeah, and I think as you guys passed signs... There are signs that are for, like, Cypress Knolls Tower Gardens, and it says, it says like, closed, like, written across them. Um, it's raining Catmans and Dogmans. Catmans and Dogmans, yeah. Um, it's rats plummeting out of the sky, which actually would be a, kind of a cool image and terrifying. But yeah, so as you're approaching this place, it is very difficult, and I think when you get to what would normally be a... Um, uh, like a gate. Normally, from what you're imagining, there would be kind of a gate that you would drive through and you would buy a ticket to go into this place and then you would kind of continue driving up along. Um, that gate is closed and there's something like very, very foreboding at that gate that makes you question whether or not it's a good idea for you to go just straight in through this front gate. And this is the gate not of, like, a tower, but, like, to get onto the property. Uh, what if, like, it's, um, like, some article of clothing from, like, a victim we recognize is sort of, like, draped on it or something like that, or, like, it's being held together by, like, something like that? So a victim of, uh, like, an article of clothing of someone? Like, say, like, possibly? Instance, Catman had, like, a cat shirt. Now, what if, like, mm-hmm. the locks, like, sort of, like, twine in place by, like, that guy's cat shirt? Maybe not that example, but something we'd recognize. Hmm. Horse is crawling with rats. I was thinking crawling with rats, but I kind of like the, uh, I mean, you can combine them. Just like the cat guy's shirt is also pretty good, like, callback, you know? Sure. And maybe this is a message to you guys specifically. Maybe that's, like, the additional thing of, like, oh, maybe this isn't a general thing. Maybe this is a message specifically to us. Yeah, like they know we're coming and bring it type situation. And it will be brought. Okay. Yeah. That's, that's, uh, that's one of the things that you see as a, um... What did you say? The cat, the cat guy's cat shirt is like dangling from the the beam that like closes the thing. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Okay. What kind of gate are you? Like, I'm picturing Jurassic Park gate. What? I think I'm wrong there. What? What are you thinking? Um, we could make this kind of more impressive. I'm imagining this as like a more impressive, um, like toll booth style gate. And so the idea here is that you drive on before you even. Like at the start of the property, from where the property meets like a road, when you get here, this is where you would essentially like buy a ticket and then head on in in your car, probably park and then go around to all these gardens and this tower. Uh, Here, this is like kind of like blocking you and already giving you a message like, okay, this could be pretty dangerous. Oh, yeah. Maybe like just the the thing is down and Mm -hmm. just in that the booth where someone would be is that is where that cat guy shirt is, right? Sure. So it's just kind of flapping in this uh, in this wind, and it's really foggy. So as you're 
as you guys are there, it's just the lights from your car, um, like looking at this booth, and it's hard to see like farther up ahead or even farther back to where you had come from. The air is kind of thick. You can hear um, kind of wind blowing. You can maybe in the distance hear like bugs, the cause of like what sound like big birds, like ravens or crows or something like that. Every now and again, you can hear what you think is like something wandering nearby as you guys are like outside of this car. Um, but what's the game plan from there? Uh, just to say storm the castle. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree. Cool. So yeah, so you guys are going to just try to bust into this thing. What is it? What do we know about the dirt? They just don't like not having it, basically. Um, they almost like need it. The earth from their homeland, right? Sleep mm-hmm. in, right? Yes. Yeah, okay. To like rejuvenate or whatever. Yeah. Did we? Can we say that we brought things that would be reasonable? Like, for instance... Uh, dirt, like, dirt destroyer. A big vacuum. Yeah, thank you. Just an enormous vacuum to snake out from the car. Um, did we try stakes already? Yeah, we, I, I tried the plank of wood and it, it just broke off. It works great if you turn them into a thousand rats and then uh, kill every single one of those rats. Mm-hmm. That's true. <laughs> yeah. Spent two sessions <laughs> in another bathroom killing rats. Yeah. Uh, All right, so your game plan, are you just going to like gun it through this, this gate? Yeah, in the van. Yeah. Okay, cool. Carl, as the driver, could you make a plus weird roll for me? Got a four. You got a four. Okay, that's pretty bad. Hmm. All right. Uh, could you choose one of these? Um, choose one of these things, and there'll be some other things that uh, go on as well. Uh, are you guys separated from one another? Are you guys together, but all but you are entirely lost, or are you imperiled? We're together but lost. You're together but lost. Okay, awesome. So you guys see this cat shirt uh, that's hanging up there. You see that that's kind of foreboding. And uh, you look at all this fog that's all around you. But nobody's here. You get in the car, you gun it, you crash through this thing pretty easily. I think it, like, fucks up um, the van. I think one of the headlights is, like, knocked, uh, is, like, destroyed as you hit this thing. So you've got kind of one headlight. And then Jacob Dylan plays for a little while. It's good, solid stuff. Um, but then, um, and you're kind of driving and you're having a hard time because this fog is so thick that as you are driving, you realize like you're following this road and there's no way it should have taken this long. And the road I think becomes like bumpier. And soon afterwards you realize like you're not on a paved road anymore. And if you try to stop and maybe turn around to get back to the road that you had been on that was paved, you can't find it. And so you're in this situation of like, there's all this fog around you where you're not sure where you are. And um, you're now in a situation where you're essentially uh, <laughs> driving entirely lost. And then that's when I think you uh, you hit something. And I think the the car starts running weird for a little bit. So you hit something and it like it's a big bump and you feel like you run over it, but possibly it gets stuck in the tire. And I think you guys I think you guys gotta get out of this van to see what the hell's going on. <laughs> yeah, it's Matlock. Like, oh, you run me over there, son. Oh, here, take this. It's me wee bottle of whiskey. 
but yeah, you've you've hit something, you've run it over, and as you're like like pushing the van to keep going, it's not really respond. It's like lurching forward, like there's something in there, and it's maybe even like creating this like gross burned smell. And I think if somebody like puts their head out the window to smell it, it smells like nasty, like burnt hair and rubber. So I feel like this would be a big boner killer to like crash the gates with like guns out and ready to like kill a bunch of vampires. And it's like, oh, now we're just driving forever. Yeah. Everywhere. Uh, I think I think that is exactly what happened, where you guys were all pumped up and ready to go. And maybe you even looked at like a map online of this place and you were driving for like at least three or four times as long as you figure you should have been. Yeah, and all these back drivers ask, like, look at the odometer. It's point yeah. two miles. Come yeah. on. It's math. Says it on the map that we printed out. Yeah, that kind of thing. Yeah. So printed it out. <laughs> um okay, so I'll go ahead and stop the car. Like cursing under his breath, he'll go see, like, fish out whatever has, like, jammed up his words. Okay. So, I'm gonna ask you guys this part. So, when you get out, you can kind of, like, see where you are a little bit. And one of the weird things is, you guys seem to be in, like, an orchard. And, like, you can see kind of neat rows of trees, which seems a little strange because you're like, I would have seen some of this as we approached this area. So that's really odd. Um, so that's one of the first things that you notice. And then you say you're going to try to get whatever. You're going to, like, fuck around with the wheel. Yeah, I'm going to fuck with it. Here he fucks with it. <laughs> you're right. Yeah, I should use a different term. You're going to try to fix the wheel in some kind of way. No, no. He... <laughs> he fucks with it. That's one thing Walker does well. Wheel hang clan ain't yeah. nothing to fuck with. Wheel hang clan. Anyway, so... Uh, but yeah, so the Wheel Tang Clan gets out. Is it just Welker who gets out of the van, or is it like a lot of folks? A lot of folks. Is it all of you? Is it him and Darkblade on each other's shoulders? What's the deal? Yeah, and, a, and the same trench coat. Gotcha. Yeah, I'm gonna get out and, like, smoke a clove cigarette. <laughs> sure. Yeah, so you see that as well. Like, you guys are in what seems like some kind of orchard, uh, again, where there's, like, lines of trees. Um... Welker, when you go to, I think it's like the front passenger side of the car, um, there's something stuck and almost wrapped around the wheel. Um, it's, it is very frightening. Um, you go over there and you can smell that, like, like I said, that like intense, nasty smell of burned hair and burnt rubber. And, um, as you go over, you hear like a gross noise, like a heavy breathing, like a, uh, like a, shuffling kind of sound or like a clawing sound and when you get there you just see the form of Reagan wrapped around like the the hub of the wheel the tires flat it's all Whoa. fucked up and um, you see you see Reagan's face kind of poured upside down like this and looking at you eyes locked with you This American Monster is a production of This American Dice. This American Monster uses the Monster of the Week system, a game published by Evil Hat Productions and by Michael Sands. Sundry Charms is Lee. Chase Welker is Carl. Darkblade69 is Alex. Ashton Green is David. And your Game Master is Austin Smith. Our theme song is by Patrick Ross. It's called Sinlude. 
Additional music for this episode included Earthly Destiny by Sir Cubworth 